0: As the preacher tonight, let me confess my belief that this liturgy hardly needs a sermon. It is its own sermon, in darkness and light, in fire and water, in solemn chants and triumphant hallelujahs, in incense and candlelight and from the baptismal boy, Holden, we even had a wow. (laughs) The vigil is ancient and mysterious. It means to help us feel our way into the deep truth of our Lord's resurrection. Not just think about it, but feel our way into what we call the Paschal Mystery. The faith into which Holden is baptized tonight and marked with the sign of the cross on his forehead, just like on all of our foreheads, the sign of Christ, crucified and risen. Christmas celebrates the birth of Jesus, but Easter celebrates the birth of Christian faith. It can only happen through the cross and the resurrection. So this mysterious and ancient vigil reminds us that Easter is not just about egg hunts and bunnies and chocolate, not even Carolina azaleas in all their glory, but it's about God's redeeming work, God's Easter art in which divine love takes on the powers of darkness and evil and brings from them and through them new life. And so the gospel story just read takes us tonight to Jesus' tomb on the third day after the terrible cross, when it was still dark, John tells us, even as he had said so pointedly at the end of the Last Supper, it was night. After the other apostles depart, Mary Magdalene stands at the tomb weeping, as Gray said on Friday, She's come for a time to grieve, nothing more. Reminiscent of her sad and lonely vigil, this vigil begins in the same darkness, the darkness of Good Friday, which fell upon the world during Jesus' death. No candle has been kindled in this church since Thursday night, And it is Mary's darkness, the darkness of our hearts, the darkness of lamentation, which we know in our world and in our lives where it all begins. Because in the biblical story, God's saving grace always emerges from the womb of darkness. In the very beginning, before creation, God said into the darkness, Let there be light, and there was. And as the ancient Hebrew tribes stood helplessly before the sea in the Exodus, the waters of the marshes are blown back and they can cross to safety. In the long night of Israel's exile, Ezekiel and Isaiah announced that God is. Coming to do a new thing, to give us a new heart, to bring life even in the valley of dry bones. And in the garden of grief, Mary hears a voice say her name. In the darkness, God's love takes over, moves in the darkness. And when God's love moves, creation happens. New creation happens. Rebirth happens. Evil is overcome and even death does not have the last word. The last word is always the whisper of resurrection. One of our theologians has written that there are two principal voices in the Scriptures. He calls them the voice of grief and the voice of amazement. God's redeeming work is the movement from one voice to the other. The first voice is that of our human struggle, the agony of the world, Ukraine, Nashville, George Floyd, 9-11, Holocaust, the terrible cross, the still sad music of humanity, That's the voice of grief, about which the Bible is painfully honest. Mary's tears, tears that we know. The other voice, the voice of amazement, is that which sounds when God speaks, when light breaks through the dark night, and we're able to move from the brink of despair to the high ground of hope. When the world is filled with holy beauty and mystery, says the voice of amazement, life is more powerful than death. And there's nothing that cannot be redeemed, absolutely nothing. For love reigns. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Easter is the voice of amazement. There's a beautiful fresco on the wall of a monastic cell in Florence, Italy, by Fra Angelico, which shows Mary at the tomb, looking down in grief. But there's also an angel there, which the painter has painted with one hand pointing down and the other hand pointing up. And when you look up, there is the risen Christ, in glorious technicolor and light, still unseen and waiting to be discovered. The key to the fresco is the movement of the angels' hands, inviting us not to look down in grief, but to look up in amazement, to move with Mary from tears to unconquerable hope, to look up where the risen Christ is present in radiant light and glory. That's the challenge of Easter, I think. When we follow the angel's hands, our hearts are lifted up to see death opening to glory. We're able to affirm that all of life is God's miraculous gift in which we can every day rejoice and be glad. A favorite poet of mine who, like Mary, Knew in his bones both lamentation and amazement, once described the risen Christ as our passion plunged giant risen. And he prayed, Let him Easter in us, be a dayspring to the dimness of us, a crimson crested east. The poet knew that Easter is not a noun. It's not just a day. It's not just a time or a thing. Easter is a verb, an action word, a movement. Let him Easter in us, the poet says. That's God's action in our hearts, renewing, redeeming, lifting us again and again from Mary's tears to the heights of amazement. That's the meaning of this ancient and mysterious liturgy. So let it grab you tonight. Let it move you. Let it throw you forward like a wave breaking on the beach and give you new life and new hope. For Christ is risen, Love reigns, light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen and Alleluia.